Blog Talk Radio. Well, Deb, I are you there, Deb? Yes. I did not hear the jingle, but I am going to proceed ahead. Um, are your kids struggling with reading and writing? Get them the support they need with read and write software for desktop, Google, or iPad. These proven software solutions help those with reading and writing difficulties, learning disabilities, or English language learners. Read and Write Gold text-to-speech software provides tools for reading, writing, studying, and research for students while they work within the common applications they use every day. Read and Write for Google provides support tools for Google Docs, PDFs, and EPUBs in Chrome on PCs, Macs, and Chromebooks to make Google Apps for education accessible. And I read Write makes reading easier and ensure accurate writing as students use their iPad for school, work, or leisure. Learn how the Read and Write family of products can help your struggling student by visiting www.texthelp.com or call 888-248-0652. Get a free trial of Read and Write Gold or Read and Write for Google today. Have students with IEPs take advantage of the Read and Write Gold IEP special. Ready to buy now? Get 20% off when you buy on their online store with code CK14SAVE20. I'll read it in individual letters. CK14SAVE, the number 20. So welcome tonight. My name is Dr. Richard Selznick, and I want to welcome you to School Struggles proud to be a part of the Coffee Clatch team, and on School Struggles, we talk about a range of topics, including learning disabilities, dyslexia, special education, ADHD, and a whole host of other interesting topics. I'm a child psychologist and director of the Cooper Learning Center, which is part of the Department of Pediatrics, Cooper University Healthcare, located in Voorhees, New Jersey. I'm also the author of two books, both published by Sentient Publications, the first is The Shutdown Learner, Helping Your Academically Discouraged Child, and the more recently published book called School Struggles. And you can learn more about these at my website, www.shutdownlearner.com. And tonight, I want to welcome my guest, Deborah Lynham. Deborah is the Director of Parent Community Engagement at Learning Ally. And Deborah previously worked as a family resource specialist for New Jersey's Parent Training and Information Center, SPAN, and is the parent of three children, two of whom are dyslexic. Deborah is a founding member of Decoding Dyslexia NJ and is currently a volunteer tutor for the Reading Assist Institute where she has tutored students for the past seven years. From these many different perspectives, Deborah understands the issues facing families, raising children with learning differences, and she has a passion to connect and support them in finding the resources and information they need. So I want to welcome Deborah. Welcome you. Oh, Hi there. Thank you, Richard. I want to say that I've seen Deborah talk about dyslexia and learning disabilities, representing Decoding NJ and Learning Ally, and she's a passionate 
a passionate proponent and uh, advocate. So glad to have you on board. So oh, Richard, I, I want to say thank you to you. We've known each other for quite a few years now, and I'm honored that you asked me to uh, be on your show this evening. Um, so thanks. My pleasure. So tonight we're, we're, we're going into the, 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 the title of tonight um, is, you know, Alternatives for Dyslexia. We're not going to really be talking tonight about Orton-Gillingham very much or direct remediation or assessment, but we're going to be talking about what else is out there for a child who has been identified as having a learning disability such as dyslexia and how does something like learning ally fit into helping or assisting you know uh so that's that's the theme tonight so great why don't we just start with deb talk about what is learning ally how could help help the listeners understand that Sure. So um, for those of you that might be kind of curious about this learning ally, maybe the name is not ringing a bell for you, um, we were recording for the blind and dyslexic. So that might be a name that some um, listeners are more familiar with. Uh, So this organization got off the ground like right after World War II and there were um, servicemen returning with some injuries and weren't able to take advantage of uh, the GI Bill and, and continuing, continuing their education. So our founder um, out of the New York Public Library got a group of volunteers together and eventually formed this nonprofit to record audio textbooks so those servicemen could go on and access um, higher education. Uh, they took wow, a look at I mean, I just want to comment. I, I'm, I'm interrupting, yeah. but boy, what a, what a beginning. That's so interesting. Yeah, isn't I love to start off by telling people yeah. our beginnings because it really um, was a mission from very long ago that we've upheld all of these years. Um, wow. And uh, I w- as I was saying, they, they kind of took a look at their membership around the 90s and realized that a lot of the students that were taking advantage of this audiobook service were actually individuals with learning disabilities. So the name expanded at that point and became um, Recording for the Blind and Dyslexic. And uh, very recently, I think it was around 2011, um, once again they did some rethinking about their membership and and what they were offering to the people who they were serving and decided that it was time to move to a broader um, understanding of themselves, and that's when they became Learning Ally. Um, And part of the shift was because we are not just focusing on the audiobook recordings any longer. We're actually focusing on becoming a full support organization for families that are uh, raising children with print disabilities. So in addition to the traditional audiobooks, which I am definitely going to talk more about um, tonight, um, we also have uh, parent support services and teacher support services. So we are really trying to make sure that we look at the issue of learning disabilities from many different perspectives and have lots of different opportunities to build skill sets for people who are interacting with us and making sure that our families are, are very supported in whatever they need. So we're trying to be very responsive in this point in the game. Now, if you are a listener out there, now the show is supposed to go to about 8.30. We'll see where we are at that point. But if you are listening live and you would like to call in and ask a question, the number is 646-595-2881, and I will try to get you on. Um, So you mentioned it, but so basically who who would you say is your target like your the, the people normally served. Who's your target audience or target recipient of your services? 
Sure. Um, we have a lot of um, students that come to receive our audiobook service. So we have individuals that are maybe um, in college or adult learners that are looking for that assistive technology help. But more yeah. and more, we're seeing um, families as our target audience. Um, I was uh, new to Learning Ally um, just about a year ago. I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary, and I'm in charge of the parent engagement department. So we've really been shifting our focus to make sure that the families of the students that we're serving with the audiobooks um, get a little bit more than that. And uh, I love the, the title that you were focusing on um, tonight, you know, all other strategies, um, because we actually um, kind of have a little philosophy that we help families um, start to understand very early on, and it's this notion of um, a dyslexic student or a student with learning differences um, needs a champion. You need someone in your corner who's really going to be uh, pulling for you, uh, advocating for you when needed, uh, helping you identify your strengths and build upon those. Um, of course, you need the reading remediation. Now, we are not a direct service provider of any type of tutoring service or anything like that. That's where we look to organizations or uh, centers like yours, Richard or Cooper. We're always um, referring families and letting them know about other places where they can get that reading remediation piece. We're happy to educate parents about the types of reading programs or interventions that are effective, um, but then we also believe that um, the audiobooks and assistive technologies and accommodations are another piece that you have to have in that programming for your child. Um, I had remember uh, reading an article a few years ago that talked about this idea of parallel programming, and it's this concept that while you're working on a child's areas of weakness, Maybe that's decoding, trying to get their early reading skills up to um, grade level or up to where they need to be for the student. What are you doing in that gap? Uh, you have a fourth grade student that might be reading on a first grade reading level. What are you doing to give that child access to the grade level curriculum or the content that they're interested in that's on a level that's going to stimulate them and keep them motivated? So that's where we like to really explain to parents how audiobooks can come into the mix and other you know, tools and, and technologies so that these students you know, aren't um, feeling as if they're missing out or that gap isn't getting bigger because they're kind of being held back or slowed down by some of these areas of deficit that we're still working on. You know, you make great points, and, and I want to punctuate or emphasize the word that you use because I used it today when I was explaining the learning ally services, um, the word access. And yeah. I... What, I used an image today that I've never used, and it's funny how you know all these years new images keep coming. But I had tested a child who was in seventh grade, and she was frustrating at the fourth and fifth grade levels. You know that typical range with the multisyllabic words and the, the mm -hmm. density of the text was kicking in. And you know I said to the mom, I said, "Look, what it's like is your child." is hitting a wall, and that wall is the fourth and fifth grade. And on the other side is the material that she has no access to at this point because she can't read this material. Mm -hmm. And what Learning Ally or something like that would allow her to do while she's working on her skills, which take a long time to develop, but something like Learning Ally would give her immediate access to what's on the other side of the wall. How do you like that as an image? Oh, I love it. I love it. 
And I, I'll share a little personal story because it's so touching to me because it happens to be about my youngest son. Um, he, we had the benefit of having um, a little bit of uh, foresight here because I had an older son with dyslexia. So when the youngest one came along about seven years later, I had the ability to sort of see things that I probably didn't see with the first one. So we knew very early on that we were probably looking at the same thing because the early warning signs were there. Um, and even though I was advocating hard, I was being that champion, I was really working with the school to get the reading interventions in place, um, he was experiencing um, the kind of typical thing that we see where he didn't really fit into a typical reading group, he was doing a lot of individual work with the teacher, and he really was starting to feel um, that you know, he was different and, you know, he was in the lowest group. It was very evident to him that he wasn't performing the way his peers were. And, um, you know, through my advocacy work and getting him what he needed in place, when he got to third grade, um, we decided that it was time to introduce Learning Ally into his programming. And um, we, he was getting replacement reading instruction and he was in special ed at this time and, and getting what he needed from the remediation front. You know, his interventions were in place. Um, but by introducing the audiobooks. He was able to be back in his third grade classroom with his peers. It was the first time in his school career that he was actually in a reading group with his grade level peers. And he came home after uh, the first couple days of actually experiencing this. And I think they were reading like freckle juice or something like that. And he was participating in all of the group reading and the comprehension questions and the projects that they were doing around this novel um, because he had it in an audio form. And he came home and he said to me, Mom, he's like, it's great. I'm in a reading group. He said, and I think I might be in one of the highest reading groups because I'm really good. I can answer the questions. I know what I'm talking about. And then he says to me, it's the first time that I feel like I'm a part of something. And I thought, holy cow, <laughs> like, wow, what a powerful um, you know, promotion that is for the power of accessibility, like getting kids the content that they need in a format that they can use and do something with. And, you know, I know what it was doing for his higher level skills, like being able to work on the comprehension piece and the vocabulary piece, but to actually hear from him what it did to his own self-esteem and being able to have an inclusive model for him around an area of reading that he'd been excluded from really as a parent just made made me realize how important it is to make sure that we are um, looking at the whole child and having everything in place for them. Sure. When you, when you, that's a great story. And when you look at, as I said before, how the text shifts from, say, third and fourth grade on, mm. and most chapter books you know, are written at least at that level, and a lot of these kids just don't have access to it, even though their cognitive skills or cognitive abilities are yep. such that they could at least understand most of the story, if not all of right. it, if they, if they had access to it. And I think that this is what this kind of thing provides. Um, what, what is, explain to us in very concrete terms, you know, is there special equipment involved? You know, in the old days, I, tell, I try to explain to parents, you know, it's no longer books on tape, like books on 8-track right. or cassette or whatever, but it's, sure. the, these are coming in different formats now. So what... Yeah. Concrete, how well, let me work? start off by talking about the, the major um, 
specialty that we offer. Um, we are a nonprofit organization that is primarily um, a volunteer-based organization. So we have volunteers across the country who are readers for us. So we have human-narrated audiobooks. Um, so it's not that synthetic, um, you know, synthesized, computerized voice. We have, um, you know, yeah. human volunteers who are in our recording studios you know, reading these books for us. Now, Deb, I want to clarify that because is that mm -hmm. entirely um, all of the material are human? Because I was under the impression that some of this material could also, if a child chose, let's say I'm using Hunger Games. Let's say he wanted to read Hunger Games on through Learning Ally. Would mm -hmm. that be something that he could have access to either a human voice or a synthesized voice, or is it only human voice? It is primarily human voice. We do have some titles in our library that are synthetic, but they tend to be um, college level, maybe some textbook um, things or, or adult literature. We do um, try to keep the younger reading material, the human read narration, because what we have learned through research is that for children who are actually looking to build those early reading skills, it's really important to make sure that you're giving them good examples of fluent prosody, you know, you know, fluent readers, mm -hmm. you know, the correct expression and all of that. And, yep. and we know sometimes when you hear those synthetic voices, the pronunciation is a little off or the pacing is a bit um, strange. Um, so we do um, try very hard to make sure that we have um, our library selection in the human read um, Option now, where we do have differences is some some or where we do have differences are our um, some of our titles are what we call traditional audio. So that would just be an audio format. You would have to have the actual book in front of you to follow along with the text. And we have been moving to another option that we call voice text, which is more um, like an ebook experience will show up on some type of mobile device that you're using. So it could be um, some type of phone option or a tablet, or even we have a, a computer program for a PC. Um, you you know, a, a laptop or, or desktop computer program. So that would give you the option of that ebook experience where the type is coming on the screen and it is followed with a highlight as you're hearing the words and, and you wouldn't have to have the physical book in front of you. Right. A child recently showed me how he was reading a book on, from his Learning Ally um, site on his iPad, and it mm -hmm. seemed like he could also do, I believe, and it was highlighting it, I don't remember if it was a color or in white highlight as it was reading. Is that correct, right? Yes, it's a yellow highlight, and yep. um, we're, we're moving towards having everything. Everything's at a sentence highlighting now, and we're moving yep. some of our titles for the younger readers to a word-by-word -word highlighting. So, uh, yes, that's, that's correct. And it's really wonderful. A lot of the titles will have options. You can choose which version you, you prefer. Some of them you kind of don't have a choice. It's however it's been recorded. Um, but I, I know my son, actually, he still really likes having that physical book in his hands. He likes that experience yep. of having the book. So he tends to prefer the audio audiobook versions, but, you know, it is really convenient to just have that whole text on your mobile device yeah. and wherever you go, it's right in, right in hand yeah, for sure. you. And what about, does it have the option of some kind of speeded up voice if you wanted to choose that? 
Yes. Oh, my goodness. And some of our older readers, are it's, it's amazing to listen to how fast, they, how, how good they can get at listening to a really um, advanced speed. Uh, so, yes, there is the option that you can decide how fast or slow you like to have that voice uh, represented. Right. So, 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 and, and I th- tell me what you think about this. It's because what I try to encourage kids to think about is, is to not react. You know, kids are funny with this stuff because in what you know, I didn't like it. I don't like the voice, or I didn't like this. I don't like that. And I'm like, look, you have to give it a little bit of time, and you've got to train yep. yourself to be listening. You're not used to it necessarily. It doesn't come, you know, immediately for a lot of kids, and they have to kind of, I, I say, even starting fourth, fifth grade become used to it so that when you're a little bit older and you're in middle school and high school, even college, you're kind of ready to go with this stuff. Do you you see it that way? Yes, absolutely. Well, we actually have um, parent support specialists on staff. Uh, We have mothers who are all raising children with dyslexia. They are learning ally members, so their kids have been using our service. And we have them on call that can take phone calls or kind of do these consultations with families that call in and help them with a whole host of things, not just information about audiobooks, but actually information about, you know, collaborating well with your school or information about reading programs, just kind of anything under the sun they're really there to sort of um, offer assistance and support. But that's one of the things that they're also trained to do is really help families understand what goes into um, making this audiobook experience really successful for the student. And there are some tips out there. You, Like you say, you have to really have a conversation with the child and let them know that they have to practice. Just like getting good mm-hmm. at anything, they have to put the time into using it. We kind of think there's a magic number, like five, five books. Yeah. So if you sit down and you, you pick some high-interest books, things that, like you mentioned Hunger Games, that's one of our top books. It's got a wonderful narrator. It's an exciting book. It's high interest. Um, So, you know, sit down with the child, pick a few books that are really going to, you know, tap into either an area of interest for them or just like a, a culturally popular book that all of their friends have read or are reading. Let them know that they're not going to make any decisions about the success of the tool until we get through those. And I guarantee you, probably before you even get through five, they're more comfortable and they sort of have the hang of it. You have to get them comfortable um, with using some of the tools. So make sure there are headphones that are comfortable. Make sure they have maybe long enough cord if they like to lay around upside down on their bed while they're listening or whatever. So take care of that sort of comfort level of things so that they kind of can can use the tools the way they want without feeling restricted. And then maybe find good times to, as a family or a parent-child team, sort of experience what it's like to listen to a story. And, and you can do that while you're cooking dinner or when you're in the car. You could connect it so that this, these are playing in those types of situations so that the child sort of gets used to the narrative story in spoken form. Um, and, and, you know, you, you have to kind of approach the new tool as, okay, we have to kind of train ourselves to get good at using it. But I can't agree more. The earlier that you can get the kids using these and comfortable, the better off you are because there will come a point where they have to be be um, using these on a very regular basis, and if you're talking that's middle school or high school, um, we really don't have time to be fooling around with the, you know, just getting the technology set. They have to hit the ground running and be ready to really access the content. Right, and I want to reemphasize what you said earlier because it is also the way I see it and the way I present it. I, I 
think if you're you know a parent out there, no one wants to give up on their child's ability to make progress in reading, and no one really wants to stop receiving good instruction, Orton Gillingham or whatever. And it's, so it's not saying we are going to do this or that. It's no. a parallel that, that you're it going is. to be. It's so, a parallel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that while your child, because of the work, the, the multisensory remediation is hard work. And, it it's, I, and I wish I could say I, it would make me much more heroic in my world if I could say in 20 sessions you'll be done. But I find sometimes with the kids with moderate to even mild, moderate, or severe, it takes a long time to 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 chisel away at these problems mm-hmm. and to get the skills improved. So, right. but, so, so that while you're working on these skills, no matter what age, you can then also at the same time be having this other, yeah. you know, this other yeah. medium, this, we so find it's a parallel do. experience. Yes. We find they actually do three things. We've categorized it into three areas. So the audiobooks actually help children become better readers. And we're not saying it replaces intervention, but what we're saying is while you're doing that intervention, giving that student examples of good, fluent reading in an audio format actually supports the intervention work that you're doing. Um, Because we all, if if your child's in one of these programs, you know what it is. You know that the the reading opportunities that they get are connected, decodable texts, um, usually controlled based on, you know, what Graphing, phoning graphing relationships have been taught. So they're not really the most exciting stories. So we give the child opportunities to listen to a fluent reader, you know, high interest stuff, you know, get, get them experiencing text and get them listening to good language structure and, and you know, different, different sentence structures and, and all of that good language stuff that we want them to also be exposed to while we're right. working on some of the decoding skills. So that's number right. one. So it, 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 right. So it gives just to start, it gives it gives tremendous exposure to to language in in all yes. its forms. Yeah. Yep. So so I don't want to mislead people because I don't want to put out the impression that we're trying to claim that audiobooks would be the intervention. No, they're the support to the intervention. Then the other piece is what you talked about earlier: access, access to grade level content access to, you know, if if you're a a student in high school and you have a tremendous amount of reading to do in science and history, and, you know, you need to give students that time back, you know, and the audiobooks can do that. If they're going to be, you know, laboring through all of this content because their reading might not be as fast as their peers, we need to find a way to sort of remedy that, and audiobooks can be a wonderful way to give them access to that content in a way that sort of gives them back some of their time and some of that maybe mental effort that they're expending um, when when reading gets to be at a, a higher level. That's right. Now, hold on. Before yeah. you do it, tell me point three. Yeah. If you are, we, we, the show will end at eight thirty. But if you're listening live, the show cuts off at eight thirty. But we are. I have a couple more questions of Deb, so we're going to go a few more minutes past eight thirty. So you will have access to the whole interview um, on the Coffee Clutch website or through iTunes. If you just Google it, you can get the whole. So the whole interview will be there but live. It will go off now at 8.30 at the, at the half hour. Okay. But Debbie, I do have a couple more questions. So now on to your point three. 
Yeah, let me give the third point, and that'll be a natural breaking point for as the show ends, and then we can mm-hmm. continue on. And then the third point that we see is that sometimes, and you address this in your book, The Shutdown Learner, sometimes we find that we are getting kids that are totally turned off to reading and maybe even learning in general because they've really had a rough time and they haven't had um, the supports um, all along the way. So they're, they're turned off. So if we can get them excited about stories again and get them into books, maybe find out what is an area of interest for them and then pick the correct titles to get them started with, it can really be a way to get them excited and motivated about school and learning again. Um, and th- that's tremendously important. Um, you know, we um, as adults and those who enjoy reading, I, I'm a reader myself, I can't even imagine a life without books and stories. Um, so if we um, you know, don't give children access to that and they live in this world of feeling like reading is so hard, um, they might become adults that don't actually enjoy or realize how wonderful a story can be. Uh, so those audiobook opportunities and getting them used to that at a young age can really um, spark that interest in learning again and that exposure to like great storytelling so um, just more on a motivation side and that's a little bit kind of what I was sharing in my own son's story too um, you know feeling that he was part of something and he was kind of participating in that same dialogue about the story that his whole class was that's really wonderful to give them that sense back that's great so so um, again, one more time, in 30 seconds, this, this show is going to um, go off if you are listening live. But again, you will hear the whole uh, interview on the website or through Apple iTunes, wherever, and we'll be sending the link around. So, so your three points, just to, as I, I just was jotting down, just to summarize them, um, you, I think you're talking about expanding skills but not necessarily so people are clear. It's not that by getting Learning Alley you're going to be teaching them to read, but in a sense by exposing... All right, in 10 seconds this is going off, so I'm just going to hold it for a second and keep talking. Okay. So just one second. Okay, now it's going off. Um, so... I believe this is continuing. <laughs> I'm looking at okay. the board here. So if it's not, it's not, but hopefully it's, it's continuing. Um, so you're talking about expanding skills by exposure, which I think is very true, especially with vocabulary. You know, we, we over, in this day and age, we, you know, it, I have seen these things swing. We over-focus now on decoding and fluency, and in the 90s, it was all comprehension. No one talked about decoding and fluency, but it, certainly with exposure, you're, you're, with, with, with access, you're getting exposed to very rich language, to imagination, to stories, figurative language, the whole bit. So that's number one. Number two, which I think we t- we've talked about, you said it was access. And number three was um, motivating and, and getting kids you know, a little more in the game and, and, and not, as, not feeling like they are always behind the eight ball, so to speak. Mm-hmm. What, a, mm-hmm. what about um, the, one of the questions I had was what, you've mentioned a lot about stories and chapter books and things. What about textbooks? What about newspapers, magazines? Um, do, how does that work? 
Sure. We don't have we don't typically have um, the periodicals or the newspapers, but textbooks. We're the world's largest library of textbooks, and what's really wonderful about it because we again are the human narration. Um, we have the ability to make those fully fully um, accessible, right? Or um, I guess that would be the word, accessible. So think about a, a textbook that might have charts or graphs or diagrams, right? Those are really hard for synthetic um, you know, computerized um, reading programs to handle because, geez, where do you start and stop and how do you actually describe what you're seeing in a chart or the columns? But when we have a human doing that, the, the approach that we take at Learning Ally is we actually build little communities of expert volunteers. So we might have a math volunteer community or an engineering volunteer community, and we get expert volunteers to take those textbook titles, and they're actually reading from the perspective of someone who understands the subject matter. So when they're getting to that chart or graph or concept in the book, they are actually um, helping with, uh, you know, reading that in a way that helps with the understanding of what you're looking at. Because remember, not only for a dyslexic population, we're also doing this for a blind or visually impaired population. So there's a lot of really um, good uh, descriptive um, flavoring, should I say, is added sure. into uh, the, the narrations that you're getting on these audiobooks. Um, and, and, and we do yeah. find that college students find it tremendously helpful um, to, to have access. And, and if you are a college student and you contact us and you're looking for a specific title and, and it's not in our libraries per se, you can contact us and let us know. And we do have a running queue of books that we try to get recorded for um, people that are looking for certain titles. We can't guarantee that it will happen on the exact time frame that you need, but we work really hard to keep that queue moving and getting the books recorded for those who need them. Is there a number if someone wanted to volunteer to be a reader, is there, is there a number that they can call? It was, how does that work in terms of signing up as a volunteer for that kind of thing? Or do you have to be screened? Um, is that a screening process? And we do. We do have a volunteer coordinator, and unfortunately, I would not have the number to give you per se for that right now. Just not but prepared they can to the do that. But if you go to our website, learningally.org, there's a little tab that you can push for volunteers, and that will bring okay. up all of the contact information. Um, there are many ways to volunteer. You can be a reader, but there are a lot of other opportunities to kind of participate too. Um, maybe you're a good um, checker. That's, that's one of the roles that we have. You would like to listen to the recording so that you can kind of check to see if there are any um, mistakes or poor audio quality, or maybe you like to be um, a bookmarker, and this would be someone who goes through the text prior to the recording that makes any notes for the reader um, to know like when to take natural pauses or you know different um, aspects that have to be looked at carefully before you would get into the recording booth. So there are a lot of opportunities um, to, to participate. I have two more questions before you wrap up. Question number one um, is, in order for a child to have access to this service or an adult, someone, a professional such as myself or another type of professional in the field, has to certify yes. that the child has either or the person has either a learning disability or is visually impaired. Is that correct? 
That is correct. Um, to get access to all of the material, the, the text material, we operate with, under an amendment to the Copyright Act. So in order for someone to qualify to receive this library of books, you do have to have a documented disability, a documented print disability. So that could be a learning disability, such as dyslexia. It could be a blind or visual impairment, or it could be a physical disability, meaning that the person would have a physical limitation in using a book. Um, so yes, there, there is that requirement to access the audiobook library, but as I mentioned, we've moved beyond just that, and we do have parent services now. So we have uh, parent support specialists on staff who can do phone-based consultations. We have a parent webinar series that runs monthly that are really excellent, and you get to um, share or, or learn about a lot of different resources and, um, and chat with other members on, on those venues. And um, you know, local events, and we we just have a lot going on. So you, you can become a member at Learning Ally beyond the audiobook piece. So I don't want people to be turned away because they think, well, I haven't gotten the diagnoses yet, or you know, we're not quite sure if the audiobook piece is for us. There, there's lots going on, and I encourage people to check out Learning Ally and see what we're all about. Yeah, I, I would support that, and I encourage that as well. I, I have uh, participated as a, an audience member. On the you know and to a couple of the webinars and they are excellent. Oh, you get you get great people on. Yes, yeah, so I would and I think that there is uh, a wealth of of resources available on the website. So I would also just echo uh, Deb's point. Last point, just to clarify, Learning Ally is nonprofit, right? You said that, but it's mm -hmm. not the service isn't free. It's not it's not a free service. People pay what an annual fee. There's an annual membership fee, um, which gives you access, unlimited access to the audiobook library and all of the parent support services. And there are many things that are offered. Like our public webinar series is free, and if you need a consultation with one of the parent support specialists, you can call in any time and, and talk to to one of those specialists. But the um, the core bit of membership is explained online, and it talks a little bit about the the extras or the benefits that you get with that annual membership fee. Right. So yes, they are a very friendly and available group there. So, um, any last-minute kind of you know words of wisdom you want to? You've given us a, a lot to think about. Yeah, I, I mean, we focused a lot on the audiobook tonight um, because we wanted to talk about some other options that are out there. Um, but I guess what I'd leave with, and it's what my whole team really tries to share with families, is that you're not alone. Um, there are a lot of us out there that are raising children with learning differences, and, and uh, we know that there's a lot to learn and there's a lot to get up to speed on, and you know, technologies change all the time, so what's the newest, latest, and, and best? Um, that's what Learning Ally is really hoping to do. We're hoping to be able to disseminate some of that information to families, um, give you a sounding board, someone to turn to, uh, to talk things through or, or get the latest research or information. Uh, so I just encourage families to really think about us that way. Um, we have great assistive technologies in the audiobooks, but we also um, are just an organization that really wants to make sure families don't feel alone when they're either starting in the middle or you know, at the end of a journey where they actually feel that they can give back and might want to participate with us to help um, share some insights with other families. Yep, I support and echo all that. And, I, and, and you're not, they're not a local group, even though they're based in Princeton, New Jersey. They're a national organization. And I, I, Deb, you've been a great guest, and you've brought a lot 
to us in terms of of a lot to think about from a parent point of view for if a professional is listening as well. So I really want to thank you for taking part tonight. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Richard. You're welcome. Now you you can be reached or the Learning Ally. Just one more time is www.learningally.org. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's ally, A-L-L-Y, learningally.org. I also want to encourage listeners to visit the Coffee Clutch website. That's the Coffee Clutch, K-L-A-T-C-H, dot com, and my website, which is shutdownlearner.com, and to uh, support our sponsors as well. So, Deb, thank you for taking part, and good night, everyone, and be well. Take care. Oh, good night. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.